So we're going to be in Romans 12, verses 1 through 8. Uh, for the Bibles around the room, it's on page um, 891. 891. Um, I'm going to ask you to stand as I read the text. Um, and when I'm done reading the text, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord. And you're going to respond with, uh, thanks be to God. Uh, we do this just to show uh, how we, we lift up the word of God here at this church, how this is what's most important to us, how God speaks to us, how we uh, approach the Bible. Um, so verse 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of, your, of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, through many, are one body in Christ, and individually members uh, one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Father, I praise you and I thank you, Lord, uh, for this text. I praise you for worship. I praise you for giving us life and the mercies that you've shown us. The mercies through Jesus, Lord, the mercies of uh, Jesus' death on the cross, Lord, and the renewal of mind and the renewal of spirit and of heart that you give us, Lord. Father, you've exchanged our heart of stone for a heart of flesh where we can feel the spiritual things, where we can know you and be in fellowship with you, Father. Father, I pray uh, that we will respond to your mercies, Lord, in worship. Uh, Father, I praise you and I thank you in your son's name. Amen. Uh, you can take a seat. Uh, so happy Father's Day. Uh, Father's Day is always funny because Mother's Day seems to be when you come into church, you've got like the whole like cupcakes and you get a rose and all that. And uh, when fathers come, we get a nice hearty pat on the back, uh, which is great. And we love that, right? So like less attention is good attention for some, for most guys, right? So uh, happy Father's Day. Um, my favorite verse, uh, my wife gave me a gift this morning of a pen, and that might sound lame to a lot of people, but that's actually really cool to me. I love pens um, for some odd reason. I'm kind of a, a nerd when it comes to pens. I like have a specific pen that I buy and work with and I've used for the past 10 years. Um, so she gave me a gift of pens, and on the pens there was a, a really good Bible verse that is my favorite Bible verse um, that I like to think of. Uh, with Father's Day. So it's from uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 16, thir uh, verses 13 through 14. And I just wanted to share this with you guys before I got into the sermon. And it reads, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. Uh, when my wife put that on a pen, I thought, oh man, what are you saying? Thank you. Uh, so she can be pretty intense sometimes. Um, so we're taking a break uh, from the book of Mark for the next three weeks. Uh, today we're going to be in the book of Romans. 
Uh, and then the next two weeks, we're going to be having um, some standalone sermons. So for this week, we chose uh, the book of Romans uh, from chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. It's a very strong chapter, some very strong verses that we have here. Um, before I get into those, I just want to talk just briefly, and I swear this will be brief. <laughs> I know sometimes I say that, and then it ends up being 40 minutes. Um, but just about the context of Romans. What is Romans? So it's written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, and it's basic instructions on how to be a Christian, what it means to be a Christian. So the first 11 chapters can be summed up as uh, this is the what of Christianity. This is what basic theology is. This is what God has done for us. This is what Jesus has done for us. And when we hit chapter 12, the tone of the book changes to what is your response. Uh, in chapter 12, right after verses, uh, verse 8, we get the marks of what a true Christian is, of how it, what it means to be in fellowship with one another, what the marks of a Christian is is, what it means to live in the spirit and things like that. Um, in chapter 12, we get a very important question that we need to ask ourselves, and that is, what is worship? What is worship? So Paul answers this question. What is worship? When we think of worship, we think of a lot of different things. Um, I know traditionally in our modern church and our consumer culture. Uh, we think of worship as music, sometimes lights if you've been to certain uh, uh, churches. Um, in some denominations, we think of worship as just the actual service, going to worship, attending a service, participating in some way, standing up, sitting down, reading the Bible, singing songs. Um, if you're anything like me, I grew up obviously in the United States, and I uh, went to church a couple of times when I was a kid, and it felt like I would come to church, sing a couple songs, we'd feel good about ourselves, and then we'd gorge on a nice, like, awesome lunch after church, and then kind of get on with our week, um, and not really address it at any point throughout the week, but kind of, you know, until the next time, we would go to church again, and sing songs, feel good about ourselves, leave, and get, get back to it, right? This type, this is not... A, Singing is a type of worship, but this consumer mentality is not biblical worship. This is not biblical worship. The Bible has a very different approach to what worship is and what living a Christian life is. And this is something we need to examine today um, in this chapter. Um, so welcome to Living Stones. <laughs> We're going to be examining what worship is. So I hope, uh, hope you guys don't uh, hate me too much after this. Um, I totally forgot to turn this to Romans. There we go. So Paul begins uh, in chapter 12, verse 1. Um, and I just, sorry, real quick. Worship is two things. There are two things that worship is. First, it's sacrifice. And second is transformation. And we're going to talk about these two big ideas of sacrifice and transformation as we work through this text. The first one, sacrifice. Now, we're going to take a step back and look at the very first word in chapter 12. Uh, Paul starts with, I appeal. So we're going to take the next 20 minutes to talk about that word appeal. Um, that's okay. Uh, so appeal. Um, in the Greek, it's um, parakaleo. 
parakaleo. Now, this word uh, in biblical translations, there's some argument and some debate over how to exactly translate this word. Uh, some people think it should be beg, encourage, urge. It's a very strong word, a very strong word. So when Paul says, I appeal to you, we need to look at that and say, okay, uh, it's someone coming before us, not just commanding, but emotionally begging us to consider what he is saying after this. Paul is, is pleading with this church in Rome to obey what he is about to say. The second very important word that comes after this is therefore. Now, there's a saying that we have. You, you might have heard it in preaching before. But if you see a therefore in Bible, you need to know why it's therefore, right? If you see a therefore, uh, this, this word comes up a lot. It's a very small word. But if you're ever reading your Bible and you see therefore, pause for a minute and be ready to, to understand what it's there for. Like I said, the, the previous 11 chapters, Paul explains what it means to be a Christian. He explains what the basic theology is to these Romans, these relatively new Christians, who Jesus is, what salvation is. He also explains a little bit about how Christians should relate uh, to the Jewish people as well at that time. So when he says, therefore, he says, now that you know these things, now that you know who Jesus is, now that we've covered this, therefore do this, live this out. Um, I taught English, I still, well, I was an English teacher, high school English teacher. I taught AP English. Uh, and in that, we talk about the indicative and the imperative. Does anybody remember that from English class, the indicative imperative? Well, it's going to be on the test. So let's, uh, let's talk about that. Um, the first 11 chapters can be seen as the indicative, the how, okay, the how in the most basic terms possible. The how is this possible? Okay, the how. How is Jesus Lord? How has Jesus saved us? How have we come to know Christ? How has God worked in our lives? How has the Holy Spirit worked in the church? And the imperative is in verse 12. Now do. Do this. What you are commanded to do. It can also be seen as uh, the why or uh, the just get it done. This is now your responsibility. So how do we worship God? How do we worship God as Christians? For those who are, are not Christians in the room, how do we worship God? If God exists, should I worship him? If he's a holy, omnipotent, all-knowing father, yeah, yeah, we should worship him. Okay, so the first verse we have, by the mercies of God, uh, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So Paul is appealing to us to present ourselves as a holy sacrifice before an all-powerful, holy God. We're going to take this apart a little bit. Um, I'm going to focus a little, little more on verses 1 through 2 than verses 3 through 8. Um, and uh, we're gonna, I, just, I really think that this is the meat of the verse of the, of the chapter right here. And it really is the essence of the Christian life. It really is, if you just need one verse to know how to be a Christian or what it means to be a Christian, 
12, chapter 12, verses 1 through 2 answers that question. If you're ever wondering, in the most basic sense, why Christians do the things they do or what we're commanded to do, take a look at Romans 12, 1 through 2. Paul starts off by saying, by the mercies of God, why do we present ourselves as a living sacrifice? We'll get into what it means a little bit to be a living sacrifice, but why? Because of the mercies that God has shown us. Paul calls us to sacrifice ourselves in light of how God has shown mercy to us, in light of how God has shown grace to us. Think about, for a second, how God has shown mercy to you. Think about what he has given you, what he has provided you. We have life. We have breath. We have a lot of freedom. Um, it, God could have done this in a variety of ways and limited uh, what we had the ability to do. But, but most of all, what he is referring to here is we have Jesus. The greatest mercy that he has shown to us is Jesus is the life of Christ, his death, and how he has made us holy through him. Um, Ephesians, I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 3 through 5 sums this up perfectly. Um, I'm going to read it for us. Uh, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And this, this next part is my favorite. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. God has given us salvation. He guards our salvation it's a salvation that is, let me read that again, imperishable. It's an inheritance, which implies a familial relationship that we have through Jesus. It's something that is promised to us that we will have through Jesus. This is the mercy that, that Paul is referring to here. This is why we live a sacrificial life, because of the mercy that he has shown us through Jesus. Let's break down what it means uh, to be a living sacrifice. So uh, in the Old Testament, we see this idea of sacrifice a lot. There, there are two orientations of that idea of sacrifice in the Bible. We have the, the New Testament mindset, and then we have the Old Testament mindset. In the Old Testament, it's pretty basic. Um, you have your grain or your sheep or your cow or whatever, you bring it to an, an altar. You, they, they traditionally do burnt offerings to show that that sacrifice is completely gone, completely given up. There's nothing to be taken from it. It was burnt to a char, not to be eaten, not to be distributed in any way. People would bring their sacrifices, whether it was, like I said, grain or an animal, and they would sacrifice those, those sacrifices at an altar for God to show what they're giving up uh, to God. Um, at that time. They saw this as an atonement for sin. Okay, we have done this against God, so this is what I will bring to atone for my sin. They believed in a blood sacrifice. Priests would bring lambs to the altar and sacrifice lambs at the altar um, to, for the forgiveness of, of sins. This word sacrifice in the New Testament is the same sacrifice as in the Old Testament. 
that idea doesn't change. That idea doesn't change of sacrifice. But Paul adds a very important word before sacrifice in chapter 12, which is living. Living. Think of a sacrifice. It's normally dead, right? The lamb is dead. The lamb can't crawl off the altar or anything like that. It's dead before it gets to the altar, and it's long dead after it gets to the altar, right? After everything is, is good. Um, the idea of a living sacrifice is a continual denial of self, a continual denying of what you want for God's glory, a continual denying of what you have for God's glory. It's a sacrifice that doesn't end. This is the Christian life. It's a sacrifice that doesn't end. Um, sacrifice is a final thing. Uh, lambs don't come back from the dead. And that was the whole point in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, there's only one sacrifice that was made that is still living today. And that's Jesus. In Romans 8.32, it says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things. God gave his son as a sacrifice, but he is also a living sacrifice. He is alive today. He's reigning today. Uh, he's a sacrifice that is also uh, continually working. A typical sacrifice, like I said, would be brought to the altar dead. It'd be something that you give up in a single instance just a momentary sacrifice. A living sacrifice is something that does not die. A living sacrifice is con a continual giving up of your right to live, the right for you to choose how you live, where you live, what you do when you live, and putting to death your aspirations, your hopes, your wants for the glory of God. This is a crazy idea, okay? Think of where we live, United States, right? We're, we're gonna celebrate uh, the United States in, a, in about, well, in a few weeks here. Think about the freedom that we have here and the gospel that is preached through the, uh, the gospel of the United States or the gospel of America, right? It's complete freedom over your life to choose what you do, when you do it, who you do it with. The antithesis, the exact opposite of this idea is the Christian life. This is something crazy to believe in in our society. What are you saying? I have to deny what I want. I need to deny what I think for the glory of God. I have to filter all things that I believe or that I would like to believe through this. That's a crazy idea in American culture, but it's what we are called to do. We are called to live as a living sacrifice on the altar, continually denying ourselves. Like I said, and I'm going to repeat this because it's a very important thing to do. We are called to sacrifice our plans. We're called to sacrifice our own ideas of what we're doing with our life to God. He calls us, he not, not just calls us, he commands us to do this. Okay, how have you done this in your life? How have I done this in my life? That's a hard question to answer. It's a very hard question to answer. Um, 
um, I'm not going to bring that verse up yet. I'll bring it up later. Um, transitioning from this, when we do this, so it sounds like, okay, great. I'm putting to death all these things I want to do. Oh man, that's terrible. But we find joy when we bring uh, to God what our wants, our desires, our aspirations, our life, we find joy in these things. We find joy in our Savior. We find joy in our Lord when we give him what we have. Uh, Jesus said in uh, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him, except through me. He gives us the life that is found in him. He gives us joy. This... This idea of living sacrifice is not a depressing idea. This is an encouragement. This is an encouragement for the Roman church to live in a way that is glorifying to God. It should bring us joy when we approach the Father and ask him, what do you want with me? Um, when, um, and I just want to quickly, so something I feel like I am not uh, giving enough attention to is just this idea of when Paul says, by the mercies of God. Um, think about, I don't know if you know a whole lot about how Paul lived, what he went through, the things that happened to him, but this guy was rough. Uh, he was persecuted. He was stoned one time. He was um, ran out of towns and he was pretty much a vagabond going from place to place. I would imagine that he was a pretty smelly guy. Yet, he viewed his own life, he viewed that as his own sacrifice to a holy and living God because of what God gave him. He gave him Jesus. Um, Paul says in Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling Okay, worthy of the calling, worthy of what Jesus has done, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Paul viewed himself as a prisoner of God. He viewed himself as fully devoted and belonging to God. This is a little watered down in our churches today. Uh, this, this idea is a, little, is a little, I would say, uh, not addressed fully of the idea that your life isn't yours. The idea that you may be making decisions, but it's God who really sets the plans. But also the idea that your motivation needs to stem from what he wants. Um, there's a famous preacher named, not famous, I guess famous to me, it's funny, when nerds say, hey, this famous guy doesn't really mean famous guy, it just means this guy that I've, I know about. Uh, this Scottish guy named um, Alistair Begg, uh, he lives in Florida. Uh, yeah, he's Scottish. Just imagine a Scotsman living in Florida. Uh, very interesting idea. Um, I Kilts would probably be pretty hot down there. Um, but he has this question that he asks people. And let's uh, go through this picture a little bit. You die, you get to heaven, you're standing before God, and God asks you, why are you here? 
God asks you, why are you here? Okay, what would you say? If any answer is in the first person, you got it wrong. If any, pers- if any answer is, oh, it's because I, you got it wrong. That answer needs to be in the third person because he, because Jesus died. And it's the same concept here of why we are presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice, because he. This this mindset needs to be taken pretty seriously um, because uh, we want to place ourselves so often in the middle of scripture. We want to place ourselves so often um, in the middle of everything uh, that we get distracted with what we're doing instead of what is commanded of us, right? Um, we get distracted with uh, kids, work. There are, count- there are countless things, right? Just fill in the blank. Um, and our motivations start shifting to what exactly should be our motivation. Um, and I would encourage you to step back and, and really delve into your Bible, uh, really read what this says. Verse 2, 25 minutes in, verse 2, sorry, Tim, um, reads, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This second idea of worship is transformation. The first sacrifice, the second transformation. This word transformation comes from the Greek uh, metamorphosis, the idea of a butterfly uh, goes through a complete and utter metamorphosis to turn into one thing to a complete and distinct other thing, okay? A complete transformation from one thing to another. Uh, Another idea within this is the, uh, it's a theological term called uh, sanctification. Sanctification it's just a word meaning that you are continually being changed. You're being made more like Jesus. Our transformation happens uh, when Jesus saves us, when he has grace on us and says, I look at you as a new creation. He puts that perfection onto us and transforms us into a new creation. We have new motives. We have new desires. We have a new reason to do what we're doing. There's a big question here in this verse, a big question, okay? And the question is, are you conformed or are you transformed? Are you conformed or are you transformed? As Christians, we are not called to be molded by the beliefs, philosophies, ideas of this world. This world is temporary, it's dying, it's small. We are not called to be molded by the patterns or debates or politics or whatever of this world. We are called to be transformed by the living God. We are called to be transformed and made more into Jesus. First uh, John 2.15, uh, I remember I was in, a, I went to church like three times as a kid. And all three times, I had some pretty crazy, like, Sunday school teachers. Um, and uh, one, one time, uh, they made me memorize this verse just, like, the first Sunday I was there. It was crazy. 
And it's First uh, John 2.15, which is, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So just imagine being like an eight-year-old and memorizing this verse. You're like, the love of the Father is not in him. Yeah, don't love this world. And I'm like, okay, what does that even mean? Like, I'm an eight-year-old. So I'm like, huh, throw away all of my action figures. Uh, which obviously, yeah, it's, uh, right, God... God enjoys when we enjoy his creation, right? So uh, we're, not, uh, we're not saying that. But the overall idea is where is your heart? Where is your heart? Are you comfortable with dying today? Are you comfortable with passing away? Do you look at that and have grief of what you're leaving in this world? Do you have that eternal perspective? Where's your heart? That's what he is asking yourself. We need to ask ourselves, are we transformed or are we, or are we conformed? What are our motivations for living? Are we motivated by the perfect budget, um, by the perfect house, by the perfect family? Okay, ask yourself that this morning. Because God calls us to be transformed and find new life in him. Um, Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And in life, I, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay, so how do we, how do we live a transformed life, right? So we have this idea, be, be transformed, not conformed, but how? How, okay? Uh, for those who are coming to church, they don't really have a whole lot of experience with the Bible or things like that. Uh, that was me. Um, I became a Christian when I was 18. Um, actually, there's a pastor in Living Stones uh, that was a part of leading me to Jesus. He's a pastor in uh, Carson City. And um, uh, he helped me out with this idea of how, what, what do we do now? Great, I have this information. You're telling me, you're begging me not to be conformed to this word. You're, you're telling me, um, to have different motivations, but how? Okay, but how? Okay, so Paul gets into this. Okay, like I said, verse 12 is a beautiful verse, or sorry, chapter 12 is a beautiful chapter about how to be a Christian because not, he doesn't only answer the why, but he also answers the how. So uh, the next verse we get, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay? Um, sorry. And then after that, he says, um, I'll get into this a little bit. I'm looking at the time. Okay. So the how is very simple. It's very simple. Um, you need to assess what the will of God is for your life. What is the will of God for your life? Okay. If I were to bring Patrick up here right now and ask him, hey, Patrick, what is the will of God for your life? Would you have an answer? Yeah, exactly. I, that's a hard question to answer. What, what is the will of God for your life? Okay. I'm going to say this in a very uh, simple terms, in, in two ways. Uh, the will of God for your life, it's deny yourself, love God, and love others. Deny yourself, love God, love others. And the second part of that is, and then do what you want. Deny yourself, love God, 
love others, and then do what you want. Okay, has anyone ever gone around, what's the will of God for my life? How do I do this? It's actually pretty simple. If you love God, you can pretty much do what you want. If you have desires, those desires will be directed for the glory of God. If you love God, if you love him based on the mercies that he has shown you, then the what you want part should follow pretty closely to that love of, of God that you have. We're, uh, it's Father's Day today, and it's actually uh, Father's Day. There, there are two days of the year where uh, it's the lowest church attendance uh, of the year. Father's Day is one of them, okay? Uh, it's because fathers love to recreate. Fathers love to get out. and uh, Well, men just love to get out and do, you know, whatever. Um, and uh, the second day uh, is, I forgot the second day. Fa- Memorial, day Memorial Day weekend. Sorry, yeah. Father's Day and Memorial Day weekend, okay? Just think about those two holidays, the idea of really just getting out and having fun, right? Um, so what is the will of God for fathers? What is God's will for fathers, okay? This idea can be transferred over to that love God, Deny yourself, love others, and then do what you want. Okay, as fathers, you're called to provide. You're called to love, just like that verse. You're called to uh, do all things with patience and gentleness. Those things should come along if you are loving God. If you, are, if you love Jesus, you will follow um, his commandments. Another how, how do we live sacrificially? is you use the gifts that are given to you, okay? You use the gifts that are given to you. And this is the next section of Romans 12, uh, verses three through eight. Um, We're gonna transition to this next section. um, And this will also be my conclusion as well. So this is a part of transformation. Uh, So I brought up uh, sacrifice and transformation. This is a continual, this is a continuing continuing from the idea of transformation. Paul writes, for by grace given to me, I say, every one of you, uh, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance uh, with faith. God has distributed uh, each of you, um, sorry, and I totally cut off that verse, which is great. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. Um, we honor God. We, we live as a living sacrifice um, by using the gifts that God has given us. Okay. Let's, let's be re- realistic about this. Okay. Um, who are you in light of who God is? Actually, let's, let's think about who are you in light of God's creation, Right. So uh, earth can be seen as a speck within a, uh, um, a, a huge galaxy, which can be seen as a speck within a never-ending universe, right? So in light of God's creation, we are minute. And that's just a small comparison of who God is. So think of yourself now of who, compared to who God is, all-knowing creator of these things that he has given us. Um, and he has not just created all of this creation, but he has given you specific gifts that he has called you to. 
He talks about the gift of leading, the gift of prophesying. Um, these gifts are brought up in uh, several different chapters. First uh, Corinthians 12 as well. It's talked about in, uh, in Ephesians as well. I think Ephesians 4 uh, talks about specific gifts that he has gifted to you um, to operate in ministry. So sometimes we look at these gifts and we think, um, oh, these gifts are like how I operate just day to day. I have the gift of leadership, so I should be a leader in my uh, workplace, or I have the gift of teaching, so I should uh, be a teacher. Uh, the purpose of Paul writing this is the, the context of ministry. Okay, all Christians are called to ministry. All Christians are called to ministry. In other words, all Christians are called to serve. Okay, passive Christianity does not exist in the Bible. All Christians are called to serve, not just pastors or missionaries or um, whatever. Uh, all Christians, if you, if you call yourself a Christian, if you believe in Jesus, you are called to serve. You are called to use your gifts to the glory of God. And this is another way of how we live as a, of a, as a living sacrifice. We use our gifts in the context of ministry. Um, and Paul makes it clear here that these gifts that he has given us are not just our own abilities, but they're gifts that he's given us. Just like um, in Ephesians 2, 8, um, uh, do I have that verse? I do, yeah. Uh, For by the grace you have been uh, saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. Just like salvation is a gift, faith is a gift, these gifts are a gift. Okay, so don't think of yourself so highly, right? Don't think of yourself so, uh, as so important is what Paul is saying here. Okay, God has given us, according to his will, gifts that we need to use. Okay, and uh, I know we all have like specific talents and abilities and things like that, and that's great. Um, but watch that mindset, okay? Look at where those came from. Um, and uh, the last, my conclusion, um, I just want to really hone in on this idea of why you come to church. I'm not talking general you, I'm talking you, you guys. Why do you guys come to church? Why? If you're not transformed by Jesus, if you're not living day to day with that question of how do I live as a living sacrifice, then coming to church is a waste of time. Honestly. If you are coming to church for family, like your actual family, this is going to sound harsh, but it's a waste of time. What Jesus wants is your heart what he wants is your worship. What God demands is your sacrificial worship. And that's not just on Sundays. That's not just singing. Okay, that's not just attending a community group. Okay, we, we come to church out of gratitude as well. We serve Jesus out of gratitude for the gifts that he's given us. Um, there's nothing we have to do. So I'm talking a lot about serving and using your gifts and uh, 
and presenting yourselves as a living sacrifice. But in Scripture, it's clear there's nothing we have to do, will do. There's nothing commanded to us to get salvation. There's, there's, Jesus isn't, hey, believe in me, and if you really want to be saved, live a good life, treat others right, do this. That, that idea is heresy in the Bible. Heresy meaning uh, it's completely opposite of what the Bible teaches. What the Bible teaches is that Jesus died and made you perfect. Done. Jesus died and made you perfect before God. There's nothing you will do, there's nothing you did do, and there's nothing you can do to lose salvation given by God. Um, and that is a mercy that should motivate us to glorify God. Um, we're going to go into a time of communion. Um, I'm going to pray for us real quick. And then we'll go into a time of communion. As you take communion, um, so communion is a... It, it's a, tra 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 tradition that we follow uh, based on a meal that Jesus has given us. Jesus served his first disciples a meal of bread and wine. And the idea is that we're coming around Jesus and Jesus is serving us. He is giving us his blood. He's giving us his body um, as a sacrifice. Um, this is a meal for Christians. If you believe in Jesus, he calls us to communion. If you believe in, uh, uh, if you have uh, repented or turned from your sin, made that, that term repentance just means turning away, uh, which we should just replace repentance with turning away in the Bible, right? Because that, that, no. Um, is, uh, and if you believe in Jesus, he has given you salvation. This meal is for you. Um, so I'm gonna have Tim come up. Um, to help me with communion. Um, I'll pray for communion, and then uh, you can come up as you feel led. Uh, Father, I praise you, and I thank you uh, for who you are. I praise you for Jesus, uh, who went to the cross. Uh, Father, I praise you for the salvation found in him. I praise you that his sacrifice uh, is final. Um, there's nothing we have to do, Lord. Uh, there's nothing we have to do uh, to earn that salvation. And Father, you give us faith, uh, to believe in him. Father, give us faith. Uh, give us continual faith uh, to trust in that sacrifice. Father, I pray, praise you for the gifts um, that you've given us, Lord. I pray that we'll be faithful with those gifts in ministry, that we won't be passive Christians, Lord, um, but that we will uh, serve joyfully and willingly um, one another, uh, that we'll serve this community, Father. Um, Father, I pray for those uh, who maybe have come to church uh, a few times and um, may be hurt by the church. Uh, maybe something happened in the past, Father. Uh, Father, I pray that uh, you work in their hearts, work in their minds, uh, Lord. Uh, Father, uh, churches are made up of a body of people that are sinners, Lord, um, that have been saved. And Father, uh, a lot of hurt and a lot of... Uh, bad things can come through that. And Father, I pray that you move in their hearts and all of our hearts. Father, I praise you and I thank you in your son's name. Amen.